I know, you're chomping at the bit to try out your brand new golf equipment. I've got the perfect spot. Sayre National starting their Saturday scrambles in January. It's a great way to scratch that golfing itch through the winter months until springtime brings green grass and warmer temps. The Saturday scrambles are weather permitting, but trust me, from personal experience, they'll play most Saturdays in just about any weather. If your golf game needs a new secret weapon, the Pro Shop has tons of Callaway clubs, balls, and apparel. Come hang out at Sayre National, Western Oklahoma's most inclusive club. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports. On site here at Sayre National, Sayre Golf Course, hanging out in the sports bar of the Sayre Golf Course. What a perfect spot this will be tonight to enjoy the national title game between TCU and Georgia. Come on out, hang out with your buddies, be able to watch the game on these huge TVs, awesome TVs uh, here at Sayre National. Uh, by the way, on Saturday, they started their Saturday scrambles this last weekend, and there's always a winner. It's 100% cash payout. If there's a tie, there's a uh, they go out and have a playoff on the course, weather permitting, obviously. So they did play in the first week. Jimmy said he was pleased with the amount of uh, participants. The winners from Saturday's Sayre Scramble, Jay Manning, Hunter Hines, Cody Kilgore, and the secret weapon. Mark Boswell. <laughs> That's hey, his name, the secret weapon. Have you noticed during the ad, on the, in the ads we've been running? Yes. That there's some secret weapon talk. Well, that's that's all um, for Mark. That's all for him. It's that's- all for Mark. And by and and you know what? It must have been good mojo uh, for Mark Boswell as he was on the winning team on Saturday. Every Saturday, one o'clock, weather permitting, uh, during the the winter months here, the Sayre Golf Course will have those Saturday scrambles. Weather, at least on my phone, looks really good for next Saturday. So uh, come on out. I think mid-60s maybe is what I saw uh, for, sat- for, for this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, 64 is what my phone says. Sunny and 64. So uh, I'm sure that will happen again. 1 o'clock right here at, this, at Sayre National for those Saturday scrambles. It's an awesome idea to get out and just kind of swing the clubs a little bit while we wait on the grass to turn green and the weather to warm up uh, once spring, springtime hits. So come on out. Uh, not only tonight, but also Saturday uh, here at Sayre and enjoy uh, everything, what, what is uh, Western Oklahoma's most inclusive club. I like that. I do, too. Coming sometimes up- golf can turn people away. You know, they want to play, but they're like, man, I'm, I don't really play there a lot, and I don't know if I will be welcomed. Welcoming. But this is The this, welcoming yeah. crowd. This, as soon as you walk in, it has that welcoming feeling. It does. It has that loving feeling. You've lost that loving feeling. No, they, have, feeling. Not they lost, have not lost They have it. not lost that loving feeling. All right, coming up on the show today, we'll talk national title game at the end of the show. Uh, TCU at Georgia, what are some keys? Here's a question that I don't know that I don't really hear talked about, but what is Stetson Bennett's place in college football lore with a win? A walk-on with two national titles? That's 
pretty heady company, I would think, yep. uh, when you start to look at it. Uh, and then what, what would a win mean to TCU? Um, you know, it's felt like since the playoff has started for sure, you know, it's been the Blue Bloods. There hadn't been a bunch of outsiders that have been really involved in this thing, and TCU's been the first one to kind of break through that glass ceiling to get into the title game. So what would a, what would a championship mean for TCU? And not only TCU, but then some other uh, maybe, you know, second or third-tier programs that aren't those historically great teams. Uh, I think this is something that maybe uh, – a playoff is the only way to see this in college football versus what we used to have with the BCS or even the bowl games uh, with the rankings. NFL, play, the playoff picture is set. Uh, a lot of really cool things that happened over the weekend and none more than, I mean, Hollywood couldn't even write that script in Buffalo with what happened to start that game yesterday. Uh, there was some ugly stuff, though. A couple of pretty ugly things, especially when you think about what has gone on this last week. So we'll get into that. The playoff picture Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgering, huh. does he have more of those kind of come up small in the big moments of any big-time quarterback almost in history? Gosh, it seems like that narrative is, is there in his career. So we'll talk that, and we can maybe even push that till tomorrow uh, because of what we got here at the top. High school basketball t- tournament uh, week number one in January is in the books. Lots of success for the Paragon communications or Paragon TV schools, the Big Elks and the Elkettes as well. We'll hit that right off the top. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. It's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text, talk about any of those things, whatever else might be on your mind. Feel free to chime in. 225-9698. You can listen through the app. You can listen online, kadsam.com. We've got the Penny News. We've got Big Elk and Paragon TV in that app as well. And, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast, KADSAM.com. Hello, Jared Atha. How are you? Doing good, man. What a week for – what a weekend for tons of teams in the Paragon Network on the high school hardwood. Uh, Saturday seemed like every game almost that was played, especially on the girls' side, was championship games. It was, what, four of those? I guess three, three, boys, game, three boys teams played for the title as well. Uh, but – just a, it was a great weekend. You were out at Merritt. Uh, kind of tell us what you saw uh, out at uh, Merritt with with Canute, and then also just the tournament as a whole. The tournament was fun. Well, you know, they call it the Merritt Classic for a reason because it, it gives you some classic games. At least on my end, it's what I saw starting on Friday night, where uh, the Canute girls got probably their biggest win of the year against uh, one loss Hooker team, ranked um, what, what were they ninth uh, out of Class Two A. I mean, they have a deep bench and a really really good team and Canute matched them pretty much shot for shot and um, was able to hold on in the fourth and win at 33 to 29 and then they uh, went on and played a familiar merit team on Saturday night for the championship and um, you know it's a tough ask you go into the into uh, the Oilerettes gym and and you play them and you know they stole one at the beginning of the year or beginning of marriage year and then Merritt got them over at the five county so this was the rubber match and uh, it was a defensive battle uh, throughout, um, and I think that is what uh, Coach Riddling wants uh, without asking her. I should have asked her the other day. I saw her, but uh, it just felt like that's what the shift has been. The, the focus has been is let's start. It all starts on defense, and then the offense will come, and it was there. I mean, they trailed by two points after the first quarter, 8-6, to six, and uh, trailed it by 7, 18-11 at half. I mean, that tells you right there two defensive teams were playing, and, and Merritt, too. Played some really good defense. They passed the ball really well uh, to combat a really good defense that Canute um, has shown. You got to be crisp with your passes, and if you're Canute, just hope there's mistakes made. And a couple were, 
were made, but uh, credit Coach Doherty and his team, they, they are um, the, the basics, the fundamentals are sharp. And that, I think, um, was uh, a little bit of the difference. Plus, the offense for Canute kind of bogged down on Saturday night. Makes me wonder, was, uh, you know, enough? I mean, did they leave it all in the hooker game? That makes sense. A lot of energy and everything. But, um, but man, uh, Merritt's uh, Marley Mong is, uh, what is, uh, Co- or, uh, does uh, Dickie V call him? Uh, Diaper Dandy. Diaper Dandy. Yeah. She's a freshman, <laughs> and she is really good. She got the MVP of the tournament, by the way. And um, she finished with eight points in uh, the championship game. Uh, Ella Porter was steady with eight points, but her defense on Kylie Smith was really, really good. And um, it just uh, – but Kylie Smith finished with 11. So, But uh, uh, Merritt would win 33-23 to in that one. In the boys' championship game, I kind of thought that this might be, you know, a tough, tough out for Canute because what I've seen Hooker play – how I saw, saw Hooker play on Thursday and Friday, I thought, man, they're ranked 13th out of Class 2A. Stellar football program up there, right? A lot of people remember Coach Powers in these parts and Sayre. And I think, and you saw a lot of size kind of transfer over onto that basketball team. So I thought it's going to have to take some good shooting throughout for Canute to uh, have a chance in this one. And that's exactly what we got there. They had 12 points in the first quarter, outscored Hooker 12 to 6 in the first. All of the points came from outside the arc. You had Jake Butler hit a couple, Jake Knudsen hit a couple, a couple freshmen, by the way. And then you had Jackson Beck, who hadn't hit a three all tournament long came a lot or hit one in the first quarter he had a nice game with 11 points he led um, all Canute uh, Trojans but came down the wire they lost by three 36 to 33 I mean I had an opportunity there in the fourth opportunity to tie it there at the four or in the regulation could have get it done but heck of an effort by uh, both Canute teams going two and one in this tournament and walking away with some hardware but uh, really good effort from the Merritt Lady Oilers or Oilerettes I kept calling them Lady Oilers Oilerettes and they they looked. I mean, we said it. You know what? You know what team are you most impressed with? We kind of had that look at the turn of the calendar, and I I put that tag on the Merritt Oilerettes. They're a, a really really solid team, really solid team. But it was a good showing from the Paragon schools there there at uh, the uh, Merritt Classic. Yeah, no doubt. Two of them in the finals in the girls' game, as you mentioned, Canute playing for the title, and in, in the boys, uh, Merritt was in the third place game. Uh, on the boys' right. side, and they played Turpin right down to the wire, fifty-one forty-eight uh, loss there. I mean, they could have rolled. I mean, could have uh, <clears throat> folded it up because they were down big at half. If because I was there setting up, and then um, they came back out in the third quarter and actually had a lead on a couple occasions. So they good good job, not just to lay down. They they kept fighting. I'm impressed watching a little bit of that one with uh, Peffer, Luke Peffer, as you said. I was wondering how old he was. I knew he was kind of getting into high school as a sophomore. He's a big guy down low that can that can cause some havoc. I was really yeah. impressed. Did, just watching that game, it seemed like Merritt had a bunch of tall dudes. Is that right? I mean, it felt like kind of tall, skinnier guys. They've got a, a I cu- just, couple, two or three I of those. I describe them as tall and long. Yeah, that's yeah, what that, it is. That wingspan. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, give them time if they could put a little – almost you don't want size on them because they, they get up and down the court really well too. But they are tall and long. Peffer, he's, he is a developing star. Yeah. He's going to be a name you're going to hear a lot That's, of. Yeah, I did. It felt like they just had some some length, some yep. tall and some length out there. 
uh, just watching uh, there against uh, Turpin. So the, the, they fell in the third place game to Turpin, fifty-one to forty-eight. Hollis was also there. Uh, the Lady Tigers won the seventh place game against Moreland, thirty-six thirty-one. Tigers dropped that one, forty-five to thirty-seven. I was over in Hinton uh, with Elk City as the uh, both teams played four hardware on Saturday. The Big Elks coming off um, a, a win on Friday in which they scored a hundred. The first time that I can remember that happening in, in a long time. Uh, Somebody texted me, is that accurate? So yeah. That's accurate. Uh, they, it's just one of those games. And it was a game that they needed because uh, coming off the, the last game against Kingfisher before the break was, was a rough one. Down in Anadarko on Tuesday night was rough to start and then kind of settled in a little bit. But just after you get punched in the mouth, 14 nothing, it's hard to get all the way back into it. And then a similar thing to, to what we saw against Christian Heritage on Thursday where just giving up big runs and, you know, it kind of felt a little bit ugh, like there's something wrong. Uh, but then Friday was a game where everybody played, everybody scored. You know, it was just one of those kind of get all the bad things out. And then against Hinton, uh, the Oaks executed nicely down the stretch to, to win that consolation title game, 57-45. Kai Keyes was on the all-tournament team. Uh, and the Elks uh, really got contributions. I thought Damon Jackson, sophomore off the bench, provided some scoring. Uh, it seemed like every night <laughs> since since Anadarko on Tuesday night, every game it feels like I'm saying, oh, there's a new career high for Damon Jackson. I know the last two he was in double figures in both. So it's something that that's needed for those guys off the bench, and they got it from him. Then in the finals over there in Hinton on Saturday night, the Elk City Elkettes, Community Christian Royals. These two teams played in the semifinals last year. Community Christian got the better of the Elkettes. On Saturday night, Elk City jumped out to a quick lead. It was 15-2 at the end of the first quarter. It led by nine at halftime. I think 30-21 was the halftime score. Ten going into the fourth quarter, or maybe it was eighth and nine, one, one of those. But Community Christian would make runs. It, it was weird because in the first quarter, they scored two. In the second quarter, the second quarter they scored 19 and hit like four threes. Then yeah. in the third quarter, it was like a six- or eight-point quarter. Then all of a sudden, in the fourth, I think they ended up with like 22. And it was their, their three-point shooting, it was almost like hitting. It was contagious when they made it, mm-hmm. and it was contagious when they would miss. You know, it, it just like they would, the whole team would miss for a quarter. Then the whole team would make for a quarter. Uh, but the Elkettes always had an answer. There was times after being ahead 22-6 uh, to six in the second quarter, it was, uh, Community Christian scored 11 straight to pull to, to within five at 22-17. The Elkettes hit a three. Then in the third quarter, they got within five. The Elkettes hit a three and but pushed it back out to eight right at the end of the quarter. But in the fourth, with three and a half minutes left, it was a three-point game. Uh, Community Christian went back-to-back possessions with threes, cut it down to three. Haley Bowie got an offensive rebound, put it in, and got fouled. So an and one, one of the Community Christian players was uh, just frustrated, slammed the ball down, technical foul there. Oh. So Bowie gets the bucket. She makes all three free throws, so that's five-point possession. And then Riley Wyatt gets a bucket underneath. So Elk City scores seven at the three-and-a-half-minute mark on one possession to increase the lead back to ten. And he kind of started to think, okay, no, no. Next thing you know, Community Christian hits a couple of more threes, gets, to, gets themselves to the free-throw line. Two-point game. Elk City was up with like 15 seconds left. Bowie got fouled. She made both free throws. Haley was nine of nine in the fourth quarter from the free-throw stripe. She was the MVP of the tournament. The Elkettes win 55-51 over Community Christian. First regular season girls basketball uh, win in a tournament since 2016 over in Weatherford. So a a big, big win on Saturday night for Coach Ham and the Elkettes. And and they just, 
you know, it was uh, we were talking after the game, Coach Ham and I, and he just this team hasn't been in a lot of situations where they've been trying to hold leads in close games. It seemed like in, in their run through, especially those seniors from freshman to now, and especially the last three years as they really were a, a bulk of the team starting as sophomores, the, it's, it feels like they haven't had very many close games. Yeah, so They've either played a top five team in the state and it hadn't gone well, or they played teams that were just horrible and they blew them out. Like, you know, they're just, yeah. there hadn't been a bunch of in-between teams uh, as, as they've progressed. And so, you know, close games against Weatherford, against Jones, before Christmas break, kind of trying to figure out how to, how to navigate those things. And then a, a different challenge on Saturday with the lead. You know, there's always kind of a, a comeback or a, a back and forth. This time, you know, you're up eight or whatever, three minutes. How do you hold that lead? And there were some sketchy parts, but the free throw shooting with Haley was awesome. So uh, the Elkettes are the Hinton Invitational champs. Elsewhere... What, maybe the biggest game in the state Saturday night at Hammond between Class B's number three Hammond Lady Warriors, Class B's number one Lomega Lady Raiders. Henley West was awesome. Look out. And Hammond defeats Lomega 66-55 to take home the Warrior Classic, Class B number three beating Class B number one out there in Hammond. Just an awesome performance. I know Ed had, the, had her stats for three games. Oh. It was stupid. It was like 70 points. 15 blocks, I don't know, 30 rebounds. I mean, it was nuts, we the, talked about, the numbers that she yeah, put up. We talked about one sophomore that's a, a budding star. That's a sophomore that's already a oh star. Oh, my gosh. And, and, she, and what's scary is she's a sophomore and could get better. So that could – I mean, that literally could have been a state title game preview uh, there between Hammond and Omega. I'm, I'm sure we'll see both of those teams on the floor at the big house coming up in the end of February, 1st of March. Before you move on, rankings flip. That's – that. Let's get there. Let's okay. go through the games, okay. and then we'll, we'll ask that question. Uh, Ampo won the Western Equipment over in Arapahoe. They beat the Lady Indians of Arapahoe in the finals 40-30. to uh, Leedy was third place up at the Oil Center on the girls' side, 53-43, as they defeated Tyrone in the finals. On the boys' side, you already mentioned Canute fell to Hooker in the finals, 36-33. The Leedy Bison suffered their first loss of the season in the finals of the Oil Center by three. Laverne clipped them 42-39. to Third place game at uh, Ham uh, at Hammond was Lomega beating Eric sixty-five to forty. We mentioned Merritt lost the third place game at their uh, tournament championship game over at Arapahoe in the Western Equipment. Southwest Covenant knocked off the Indians forty-eight to forty. So both Arapahoe teams runner-up in the Western Equipment Classics at on their home floor. Um, let's see, da, 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 da. and then Hammond fell in the Consolation uh, Finals at the Warrior Classic fifty to forty-eight. I'm not sure who beat them. I couldn't. I saw a score, but there wasn't a team. Uh, and I didn't. I should have went back and looked, but I didn't get there fast enough before we went on air. Question about the rankings. I think it's fascinating. Uh, with the results of this week, how much will they affect the rankings? Because we haven't had rankings since before Christmas. So this is kind of the first set of rankings coming out of the, uh, you know, out of the Christmas break. How much does this affect things? Does, you know, on the girls' side, Canute was outside the top eight looking in. Does a run to the finals and, and playing. Uh, beating a, a ranked team in Hooker, does, is that enough to push them up uh, a couple of spots? Arapaho Butler, can they stay there even though they, they, were, they had a loss, but they had two wins you know, on, on that girls' side? Hammond and, and Lamega, do they flip? Because here's the thing, Pittsburgh's got four losses, the, the number two team in between. So was that a, a game to see who's number one, or, or, will it, uh, or was Lomega's lead 
Because when you look at it, Lamega had 60 first place votes. Hammond's got four. Yeah. Is that one game, one result enough to flip that all the way around to where Hammond will be number one? The banter I've heard is don't expect change. I don't think so either. And and that's a shame because we've had the head-to-head, and that should be enough to, to tell you, okay, let's just swap them. But then it's hard to fault, and I don't know what Pittsburgh did this weekend without looking it up, if, if they were in a tournament and they went and won it or – Maybe a similar path. They played a high-ranked team or something. They, no, because they, they played in the birth of Frank Teague. That's right. But so you can't fault them for winning and drop them to three and put Hammond one, Lamega two. So that conventional wisdom would say, okay, well, they went head-to-head to swap them. Hammond one, Pitt two, Lamega three. But from what I'm hearing, it just might say the same, top three. I think Hammond would be number two. You think so? Yeah. 15-1 and one with a win over number one versus 10-4. and four. I completely agree. But here's another thing, though. Pittsburgh had a bunch of first place. Pittsburgh had 21 first place votes, but we're only 52 total points ahead. So that tells me that they're getting the first place votes, but they may be behind Hammond in almost every other poll. Let me ask you this. If you're Hammond... You want to finish this – don't you want to finish the season, obviously, number one. It gives you a, a nice path. And then if you get the state tournament, you get to avoid the number two team, which is more than likely going to be like a Lamega. Yeah, does, But on the other hand, if you're Lamega or, or – I'm sorry, or if you're Hammond, if you're like two or three, you see what I'm saying? Well, not necessarily. If one of them gets beat. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, in the playoffs, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. they all go in as winners, then yeah, I guess I, guess, I see what you, see you what mean. I'm saying? Yeah, you, trying to trying to if you, you be I don't know one or two, and they'll they'll keep one and two apart until potentially a championship. I think it's similar to what we're going to talk about with the NFL playoffs on the AFC side. If you can be on the opposite side of two of the others, like if you're Hammond and you can be one, Lamega and Pittsburgh are on the other side, then you don't have to beat them both mm-hmm. to be able to win the state title. So I think that's where the huge advantage might come in. If everybody goes in as winners, but yeah. if somebody loses, then that throws a, a kink into right. that system. And, and staying local, uh, you know, what does Merritt's run here? Mm-hmm. Are they they bump them. I mean, they're already seven. Do they get bumped up maybe at six or even five? I mean, they, they're playing really good basketball. You mentioned Canute. They go two and one in this tournament, lose to Merritt. And I, was, I had a lot of window, window time this weekend to drive and think. So I'm thinking about, you know, what are the – what would the scenario, or what would it be? Look, what would it look like come rankings time? You know, Canute they have four losses, but four of them come to two teams. Yeah. And was that win over Hooker enough to maybe put them up to maybe nine? You know, kind of get a little bit closer to that eight spot, and then they have an opportunity to make a good showing at the West Central. I, I mean, this is why we've said it. This is the, the corner post. We're making that turn, and this is why it's important to have good showings in these tournaments and. And sure, I'm a little biased, but I think going two and one in these tough tournaments and coming up with runner-ups, or you know, you get you make you get some impressive wins on the way, mm-hmm. and and you can impress voters or, or you know persuade them to uh, maybe take a look at you and see how you've gotten to where you're at. Yeah, Okarchi just in between they're number nine in between Canute and Arapaho. They won their tournament this week at the Three Rivers, but the. Oh, the competition, to say the least, wasn't probably what that uh, either Arapaho or uh, Canute saw. Because when you think about what, what Arapaho and their, uh, you know, what they did to get to the Ampo game, they knocked off Class B number what four or five in Lakeba Sickles. 
think you're right. Six. Yeah, so they got a win over Class B number six to get to the finals against uh, Ampropo Cassett. Canoe got that win over uh, Hooker. It's a top 10 team in 2A. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that, but you, here's the problem. You've got to have these guys voting on this, paying as much attention as we that's do. That's the problem. And I don't know if that's the case. And we've, we've, set our, we've, we've set our beef with that. Is There's no reason why they shouldn't know how, you know, there's Paragon mm-hmm. TV. There's other outlets out there that they can refer to outside of Huddle. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? That that they can, they just don't have to look. They have to look at the scoreboard and go, okay, well they won by ten, or they lost by five, and it was to this team, whatever. But how did they lose? Yeah. How you know what what was the score going into the fourth quarter? You know, it's, that's asking a lot though. Yeah, uh, with, with coaching teams, that's a lot being, of sitting down and well, watching yeah, and, a lot of film. And, and, I get it. All and, and being in the everybody was in the same situation this week. They're all coaching in these tournaments. That's true. On, uh, with their own team, right. uh, outside of just a few that may have played it, like in the birth of Frank Teague or uh, Frank Teague or what what have you. Uh, there's a, everybody's busy. Um, you know, Arapahoe, eleven and four on the boys' side. And I don't know that they that's not going to push them up into the top eight by any stretch. Yeah. But West Central becomes huge now uh, for a lot of these teams. You know, Calumet's always there on the boys' side. They're number seven in Class B. What Arapahoe's there? Canute will be there. There's going to be chances for these teams to get ranked wins once again going into that last ranking that'll be the week after those tournaments. So a big week, though, in a lot of ways for a lot of these teams uh, that were either toward the top or right on that 8, 9, 10 bubble. No one played themselves off of that by any stretch. Uh, When you think of Canute, Arapahoes, none of those teams played themselves down the list. And then I'm anxious to see in 4A if uh, the Elkettes win in that tournament is enough to push them or do they need to have another good week, Weatherford coming to town tomorrow. So um, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see because it matters so much here in a couple weeks what these rankings are. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hit the NFL playoffs. Uh, what does the schedule look like? Who's in? It's a pretty crazy things that happen uh, when you consider the entire talk of the league heading into this week, some celebrations or some wildness is uncalled for uh, but we'll hit the NFL next Skinny on Sports right here from Sayre National here at Sayre on the Sports Animal I know you're chomping at the bit to try out your brand new golf equipment I've got the perfect spot Sayre National starting their Saturday scrambles in January it's a great way to scratch that golfing itch through the winter months until springtime brings green grass and warmer temps the Saturday scrambles are weather permitting but trust me from personal experience they'll play most Saturdays in just about any weather if your golf game needs a new secret weapon the pro shop has tons of Callaway clubs balls and apparel come hang out at Sayre National Western Oklahoma's most inclusive club the skinny on sports Welcome back, Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. We're hanging out at Sayre National. What a perfect spot for this afternoon. It's going to warm up, even though it's a little chilly right now. It's warming up into the 60s. It's going to be a perfect day for a couple of things. You can come out. You know, hey, listen, leave work just a little bit early, right? You can get out of there a couple hours early. Come play nine holes. Can play 18 holes, whatever you can do. But be sly about it. You know, find a good excuse. Start coughing right now. There you go. Oh, oh what? Fake a phone call. Oh, okay, I'll be right there, honey. Hey, sorry, my kid's sick. I got to go. There you go. <laughs> we won't rat you out. Absolutely not. 
that's the last thing we would do. You come over here, play a little golf, and then uh, hang out and watch the national title game between Georgia and TCU, 630 uh, for that one. So plenty of time to uh, enjoy both, all the things that Sayre National has to offer, the golf and also uh, here in the sports bar. You can watch the awesome TVs and enjoy the sports that are happening tonight, uh, specifically that national championship game between the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horn Frogs, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But first, uh, NFL, over the weekend, uh, playoff the playoff picture is set. And the one seeds are who it was going in. Philadelphia beats uh, the Giants, Kansas City over the Raiders on Saturday. So Kansas City and Philly are the one seeds in their respective conferences. Not a ton changed um, outside of what, I guess, the seventh seed in both isn't who had a chance to lock it up. Um, Buffalo beat New England in Buffalo yesterday. Uh, the Pats had the, the the Pats had everything. They were in the driver's seat, right? They didn't need anything else to happen other than them beat the Bills. They couldn't do it, which allowed Miami to slip into the playoffs with an 11-6 win over the Jets. So Miami ends up being the seventh seed in the AFC. And then on the NFC, Seattle. Man, did you see that game? There was some crazy. No. There was some awful officiating down the stretch of that one that allowed Seattle to even get it into overtime, which they won. Oh, boy. And they were waiting, hoping, becoming the biggest Detroit Lions fans that there ever was. And it worked out as Detroit beat Green Bay last night at Lambeau Field 20-16. to So the Seahawks are the final uh, wild card team from the NFC as the seventh seed. So uh, yesterday was – Kind of stat. I mean, I think once once Saturday night happened with that game between the Jags and the and, and the Titans, Trevor Lawrence looked awful for a while for a bunch of that, but then brought his team back from down ten. Did you see that they only got they they came back from ten down with no first downs or one first down in the fourth? I quarter. didn't see that stat. It's, it had only happened like once or twice in the history of the league. Um, wow. The fumble on Dobbs. People are wondering if that was really an incomplete pass. It ruled a fumble and, and the Jags returned it for a touchdown to win twenty to sixteen. After that, it was more, you know, it, it just didn't feel like outside of last night, the drama was kind of gone in a lot of ways. A little bit. You know, the, I think that game would have been so much more fun to watch last night even if Seattle wouldn't have eliminated Detroit already. If it was one, instead of just one team uh-huh. trying to, you know, if, if the winner of that game which is why I'm still surprised that game wasn't the, the Jags and the Titans, but they used the Saturday night slot for that. Uh, but uh, it, it was, a, you know, the NFL regular season is over. There was some – it's interesting how much talk there was all of a sudden about how Cincinnati got the raw end of the stick as far as all this shuffling around. Right. Which is exactly what Skip Bayless was talking about with his tweet on Monday, but yep. now it's okay to talk about it because it's not Skip Bayless mentioning it, you know. <coughs> and, of course, the way that that game started in Buffalo, the first play of the game, Naheem Himes returning that kickoff for a touchdown. I mean, that's stuff that Hollywood can't even. It's crazy. Hollywood couldn't even think of that script because nobody would believe it, and, and he, re- he returns that kickoff back for a touchdown in the wake of uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin, which it does seem like he's getting better and better. He's tweeting. You know, you don't know if it's him or 
he's at least telling somebody what to, what to what tweet. To tweet or, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but what what were your thoughts about how the the playoff picture is shaken out here in the NFL? Well, it, it all kind of went by script, I guess. Kind of what we kind of projected, <clears throat> not even last week, week before, I think. I mean, there's you know certain scenarios that had to happen, but um, it's gonna be fun. I think um, I think the Cowboys are in trouble. Let's just get it out there. Why? I, I don't. I just because they played bad yesterday. I it's it's quarterback play that's consistently been bad. That's interesting, considering that uh, the Cowboys are scoring more points with Dak under center than any team in the league. It, it just yesterday was abysmal. It, it was bad. It was bad. Now I I, I was kind of wondering, were they scoreboard watching? Were they seeing that the Eagles were winning and the motivation went away? I don't know. And if then it I, did, I mean, then because take I didn't them out of the game. The, I didn't see the kickoff. I I didn't see the start of the game. I only really watched the majority of the second half until it got out of hand. And but I uh, was wondering. Are the Cowboys resting? Did they rest their play? And I look, no, they didn't rest anybody. It, it's concerning if you're a Cowboy fan. Just put it at that. It's real concerning. I mean, I don't. Yesterday isn't the concern. If you want to be concerned, it, it was way before yesterday. I mean, Dak was terrible. There's no doubt about that. Threw a pick six early. They made it 14 to nothing. But <clears throat> these signs have been coming. It's, it's not. I mean. It, they haven't been able to stop the run very well all season. They've got hurt in the secondary as we moved along here uh, at the last quarter of the season. Offensive line with, with a couple of injuries has reshuffled people around, and they're not where they were you know, five or six weeks ago when that right. offense would look to be really, really humming. I mean, so, I mean, the, the, these warning signs were all coming, and then Dak was terrible yesterday, and now everybody's going to jump off the bandwagon, but... I remain. I, I don't care who the hell's the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you can't go in there and win that game, you aren't any good anyway. That team is terrible to be a playoff team. They aren't any good. But they do have Tom Brady, and that clearly scares you to death just because of what he's done before. <laughs> I've said it for weeks. But it still, does, but, yeah. it, but the, the point is, it's not Tom Brady. If the Cowboys team isn't good enough to go into ta- to Tampa Bay and win on Monday night, then they aren't any good anyway. I mean, this is exactly who you want to play. If, if you're a wild card team and your choices are Minnesota, San Francisco, or Tampa, you take Tampa and run all day long. You take your chances against a 45-year-old quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it, – I, I guess basically what we're doing here is, or my, in my mind, setting myself up to just be – belligerent on Tuesday when they can't beat the crappy Tampa Bay team on Monday night. But we'll see. I, I don't know that this – I mean, it, it's not great to play like that. But you know what? You, you see teams that play terrible one week and then play great the next week, somebody, vice versa. Did you see the tweet that somebody see put that? out? What was it? Well, when they lose, they'll go and rack off like three or four wins in a row right. when they lose. So say, by this uh, – after this loss, they go and win four in a row. Man, well, that's Super Bowl <laughs> that's champs. That's a Super Bowl championship, but at the, I don't know. That's just – it's concerning is uh, what I'm getting at. What game are you looking for? What matchup do you think will give us the most entertainment? Man, what's – is Tua playing? Is he done? It's questionable. If Tua was playing, I'd like that one because we saw that one a couple weeks ago up there, and it was a great game, even in the cold. Uh, that, that Miami was able to – I mean, they were right there to the end. San Francisco, Seattle does nothing for me. 
Giants Vikings. That was a good game a couple weeks ago at uh, at the Vikings when Greg Joseph kicked what a sixty-one yarder to win it. I mean the the NFC playoffs, man. If I was in the AFC, I would be petitioning to be in the NFC. Because when you look at the AFC, it, I mean, you can make a case for all these games. I mean, you got the young gunslingers on Saturday night with with Herbert and, and Lawrence. Divisional game that we just saw with Cincinnati and Baltimore. And then another divisional game with Miami and Buffalo, Kansas City waiting in the wings. I mean, you look at all the – look at the quarterbacks that are in these games. If Tua can play. Tua versus Josh Allen. Joe Burrow if Lamar can play. Joe Burrow versus Lamar. Herbert and Lawrence with Pat Mahomes. And then you look over here in the other in the in the NFC and you get Geno Smith and Brock Purdy. You get Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins. You get Dak and Tom Brady with Jalen Hurts waiting. I mean it's it, it's it's almost like the J V and the varsity. That doesn't mean an NFC team can't win the Super Bowl by the time they get there. It's, it doesn't mean that. But the intrigue to me is almost exclusively in the AFC. Because even next round, okay, Philly and Dallas, or you can yeah. get San Francisco and Minnesota, eh. That's kind of eh. Right. But if you can see Chargers, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, man, that is good stuff is what that is. And so uh, it's, I think the AFC is almost exclusively the intriguing game, especially week one uh, and then on, and on through. Uh, but for me, obviously, it's Dallas because that's, that, doesn't that feel like maybe the true toss-up? I mean, of all these games. Oh, yeah. Isn't maybe that, Chargers-Jaguars because it's at Jaguars. So you give the Jags a chance because it's at their, on their home field? A little bit. A little yeah. bit of chance. They're, playing, they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Lawrence is, is playing great. Now, he had to have some defensive help yeah, he wasn't very this good. weekend. but He wasn't great on Saturday night. I just feel like that place is going to be electric. It's a night game on a Saturday night. Circle that one for me. I think that one, as far as the most entertainment value, that one right there. And obviously, for, for local rooting interest, the Cowboys-Bucks game, and I've given my reasons for that. Yeah, on I a mean, Monday night, that's, that's going to be – that's going to be uh, an interesting one. If Dak comes out a little flat, I mean, that's, that's scary. That's scary if the run game can't get going. How about allowing 26 points to one of the worst offenses in the league? Yeah. I mean, everything is so focused. Dak, 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 Dak. The defense hasn't been worth a damn either. No. No, that's Some true, point, too. Yeah. Uh, Dallas just, I mean, yesterday is kind of the crescendo of it feels like they're going off the cliff. It, but – you never know. I mean, the, the, the recency bias in the NFL, we see it week to week when, when one team loses horribly to one week and, you know, everybody wants to bet, you know, lock that team to be terrible the next, and what do they do? They come back and win. Uh, so, uh, I mean, like I said, if Dallas can't beat this Tampa Bay team, then they have no business even being talked about as a decent team anyhow because Tampa Bay is no good. Who wins? Uh, who w- would you – Ooh, you're asking me now see, let's, for winners? If we see – no, no, no. If oh. Seeing the bracket and seeing – you know, you can't – you don't know how the games are going to end up, so it's not like you can say, okay, this team plays this team next because that can all change depending on upsets. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you look at, okay, if the, if the seeds hold, you, you're looking at the winner of Tampa and Dallas against Philly, San Francisco hosting Minnesota, and the other um, – in the AFC, Cincinnati at Buffalo – Kansas City versus Jags or, or, or Chargers. 
in the next round. So when, when you kind of look at the paths, who picked the Super Bowl right now? Looking at this weekend of what I think could happen, I think the Giants have a real good shot. I kind of do. At the Super Bowl? No, no, no. At oh. beating the Vikings, which okay. changes things. It sends them to Philly. Yeah, that's true. And and Cowboys would go or host when they – No, they would go, go to go, San Francisco. Go to San Francisco. I, give me – in the NFC, I think San Francisco looks the part – of being a more complete team than Philly right now, even with Purdy versus Hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's hard for me to go against San Francisco and if it's those two. Me too, but it's so hard to go f- with Purdy. I mean, I know he's looked great, and he has looked great, and he has put up numbers that San Francisco – I mean, he's got everything around him, but are we really trusting Brock Purdy to be a Super Bowl quarterback? As a, San Francisco as a does. They could have acquired uh, anybody else after the second quarterback injury. They chose to ride with their with Mister Irrelevant, and he's been relevant. It would make it easy if it wasn't Brock Purdy for me to pick the Forty ers I just what there hasn't been any adversity really. But when yeah, I'm gonna say when hasn't he been good since he's been in the starting role? Well, I mean, you it, know what I mean. Yeah, he's been good enough. He's been very good. Now he's been better than good enough. Yeah, he's been very very good. But I mean, those are dynamic teams, though. I mean, outside of the quarterback, the the Forty ers you know, you got McCaffrey, you got you got oh, yeah. uh, Samuel, you got, and and then of course the Eagles. They have, I mean, the list goes on and on. Smith and Smith Brown and everybody, and Brown, yeah. yeah. So that outside of the quarterback, I think that's what I'm looking at here. And they know, also, their quarterbacks are good enough because of have, the because of the supporting cast. They also both have very good defenses. Yeah, that's true. Which then makes you wonder, okay. What happens to these quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah. What do they That's do? That's true. You know? That's but, true. I think I would lean San Francisco. <clears throat> uh, I just I, – I, the other side, who you got? The AFC. I think the Hollywood script continues. I think the Bills get to the Super Bowl. They catch a break in a way by that AFC title game potentially being on the road. Instead of at Kansas City with the way the, the seating is, uh-huh. the one thing about it is, though, they also had a chance to host that game. You know how much fun it would have been to see Mahomes in Buffalo? At Buffalo? Yeah, it'd be awesome. In the AFC title game? Yeah. That would have been great. It's not going to happen, though. No. Unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. Trying to pull up the text. I just now remembered. I don't have the text line. What is that? What is the text line, Jill? 9698. Yeah, no, I'm trying to pull it up. Okay. Oh, the new one? I, I... Uh, I'll get to it. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I think if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Buffalo and San Francisco. Yeah, I, I would. I think that's what yeah. I would pick. My first absolutely had initial to. reaction. Be... My, my opinion yeah. might change this time next week or, mm-hmm. or a week from tomorrow. But I... I Right now, I think those – and, you know, you also – I talk about hot teams. You know, I mentioned the Jaguars. I'm not putting Jaguars there. I'm just using them as an example. But 49ers have been consistently good. Bills, they are not outside of everything that's going on off the field. They are still a very good team even before this whole uh, stuff has happened. So, I, I – uh, 
even before the injury, I would still probably pick the Bills. Maybe because I picked them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I would have gone with Kansas City, but it does. <clears throat> I don't know. My home saw some. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Hit the college game tonight. Got some uh, – I finally got the text line pulled up. Pittsburgh hadn't been defeated by a Class B team in two years, by the way, even though they got four losses. Interesting. American started. American have a starting five on the boys' side, 6-2 to 6-7. We're coming back from uh, Sarah Nashville here uh, with the final segment talking college national title game tonight. This is the Skinny on Sports on the Sports Animal. I know. You're chomping at the bit to try out your brand-new golf equipment. I've got the perfect spot. Sayer National starting their Saturday scrambles in January. It's a great way to scratch that golfing itch through the winter months until springtime brings green grass and warmer temps. The Saturday scrambles are weather permitting, but trust me, from personal experience, they'll play most Saturdays in just about any weather. If your golf game needs a new secret weapon, the Pro Shop has tons of Callaway clubs, balls, and apparel. Come hang out at Sayer National, Western Oklahoma's most inclusive club. The Skinny on Sports. Welcome back, Sarah National. Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Hey, Jared. Yeah. Do you like a deal? I love deals. Do you, don't you like deals? I'm always looking for a deal. Let's make a deal. I'm cheap. I'm always looking for a deal. I've got a deal for you. I take that back. I'm a parent, so I'm always looking for a deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a deal for you right here at Sarah. They've just got two new Callaway drivers in. If you are looking for the newest in golf technology through Callaway on the, with the driver, and you want to come buy one brand new, Ooh. they will discount it a hundred bucks if you say you heard it right here on the Skinny on Sports program. Whoa! So come in, buy a brand new Callaway driver. It's a hundred dollars off. Just say, "Hey, I heard Skinny say a hundred dollars off on a brand new Callaway driver." Boom! It can be yours at that uh, discounted rate. No, that's a deal. That is a deal. That's a deal. That is definitely a deal. So, so, a little more than thirteen dimes and a nickel, but yeah, well, you know, he's got thirteen <laughs> dimes and a nickel. Do they sell pickles here? Do they? Yeah, there's, yeah, right there, dill pickles. I <laughs> there, see him. There is dill pickles. <laughs> uh, question on the text line: Does it help you hit it longer and straighter? The answer to that is yes, absolutely, hundred percent. It does. <laughs> And if it doesn't, it's Jimmy's fault. But there you go. $100 off. Come get it. Brand new Callaway drivers. Just say, I heard it on the Skinny on Sports program, and you get $100 off. All right, tonight, TCU-Georgia, the national title game. Uh, for the first time in the playoff era, there's actually, you know, Cinderella might have a slipper with TCUs. It's been really uh, kind of confined to the blue bloods of college football since 2014 all the way through the playoff era, TCU with a chance to kind of bust through that ceiling uh, for not necessarily the little guy, but just not the blue bloods of college football. What changes, uh, not only for TCU's program, but also for that kind of second tier down if TCU is able to, to go ahead and, and claim a national title tonight? I, you mean like overall in the, in the, <clears throat> in the grand, grand scheme, scheme of things? The landscape, yeah. landscape of college football. I think it shows, it gives everybody hope. I'm talking fan bases, players who are at schools like a TCU or a Baylor or a Kansas State. I mean, you know, those, I don't want to say mid-level, but those schools that aren't traditionally in the thick of things at the end of the year. And um, 
I think that just gets better and better with an expanded playoff because it, you know, say, hey, you know, that Cinderella story that PCU went on in that year where there's only four teams. Imagine if, you know, there's some teams going out there thinking, like a Kansas State, like, man, we beat them in the Big 12 title game. If this playoff was expanded, I without looking, I don't know. They're, they're in as a certain seed, and they're thinking, well, we got a heck of an opportunity to make a run here. So it just overall, it gives everybody hope, and it, it might – I don't know if it changes much of the landscape of recruiting because those big ones are going to still go to the big dogs, the Alabamas, the Georgias of the world. <coughs> but it, it doesn't hurt recruiting. You know, obviously, you know, the TCU, it's going to help because they got a – first-year head coach and Sonny Dykes on their program, you know, they're like, man, he's there. He won it in this first year. He's going to obviously be here for a while, we hope. I want to go play for that guy. He turns us into winners. But I think the my grant, my, my big answer here is just it gives hope across the landscape of college football that it's not just the same three or four teams that are always fighting for it. There's an opportunity for those other teams like a TCU and others on any given year that could have an opportunity to win this thing. Also, <clears throat> I think on the recruiting side, maybe not out of high school, but it darn sure opens up the, the transfer portal. Look what's happening at TCU right now. Three of those guys from Bama that went in the portal are going to TCU, there you go. including the running back Trey Sanders is one of them. So <clears throat> that's where I think maybe that the, these, the, you know, you don't know what to call them. It's not – I mean, they're power five. They're in the big conferences, but they're not the historically great programs uh, that are consistently. I mean, we can great. remember when they were in the Mountain West. You That's know? right. It doesn't seem that long ago, although it was what ten plus years ago. But it, we can remember that, and they were playing the Boise States and the That's right. Utah States, and now here they are. And that just, I guess, it goes to show you how big of a deal it is to get into one of these conferences. To have, you know, does, does that make sense? So I think it that's does. why schools like Cincinnati and. And uh, uh, Central Florida and BYU, they're thinking, man, okay, we get to be in the Big 12. Who knows? Maybe we can make a run. Well, and, and I know both of us have always kind of looked at the portal as a way for the rich to get richer. Maybe that's not the case as much as you thought, as much as I thought. Because the, these high school kids, will, you're right, they'll go to the big schools. But once the, if they see they can't cut it or they see they don't like where they're at, Maybe this opens up the TCUs, the Oklahoma States, the Kansas States, and, and whoever, you know, every conference has this kind of, you know, teams that have been really good, but they're not the traditional powers mm-hmm. where they can benefit more from the portal than maybe we thought going in to the start of this. Stetson Bennett, gosh, walk on, could go back-to-back national titles. It hasn't happened since 2011 and 12 for Bama. I think only three times in, in modern college football history have we had back-to-back national titleists. And Stetson Bennett, where, what is his place in the history of college football if he's able to get this win tonight for Georgia? I think he kind of gets a knock because of his age. But I'm – that, you know, him – I don't – how old is he? He's – whatever. But, I mean, whatever. if he has eligibility, he has <laughs> eligibility. But it should be talked about. Now, was he a preferred walk-on or – refresh my memory. Just how Who he cares? got there. But he, um, yeah, that's I mean, a lot of people will go back. You know, obviously, we most recently Baker Mayfield being a walk on at OU and seeing what he's done. But as one national, he didn't win a national title. Didn't even play for one. Here's Stetson Bennett, who's uh, trying to win a second national title for Georgia, but 
he never won a Heisman. It's it kind of you know what weighs more in the argument of the best walk-ons ever. You know, it's pretty cool though. It's a cool story. And again, it, it kind of goes back to my theme of you know if you're a walk-on, it gives you hope that you can be a big factor in a national title-winning team. Yeah, he was the MVP of the game last year in which they beat uh, Alabama to win Georgia's first national title in 41 years. And now with a chance to go back-to-back as the quarterback of Georgia. Listen, that puts you – there's not very many quarterbacks that have gone back-to-back ever. Yeah. If you you give Matt Leiner an AP and then the BCS title, he did it. A.J. McCarron – was he both? Yeah, he was 11 and 12. So he did it. Nebraska, Tommy Frazier. But he was hurt. Remember, he had that blood clot in his leg. Did he play that game against Miami? I think he did. I can't. Brooks Bollinger was was there when Frazier had that blood clot. But I think he played against Miami. And then, of course, Florida, he who can ever forget that one run that he had where he literally might have been touched by every Florida defender <laughs> on the field and went and scored a touchdown. But, I mean, but that's what you're talking about here mm-hmm. with Stetson Bennett as far as his accomplishments. And sure, he's going to get knocked because of how good the team was around him, uh, especially happens. the defense last year. Yeah. You know, it's kind of almost the Troy Aitman syndrome uh, with the, the Dallas Cowboys. He's knocked in a lot of you know, historical analysis of the greatest quarterbacks because of how good that team was. Uh, but, you know, he's he's going to be a college football immortal if he can win this game. Is he the best college football quarterback ever? No. But when you t- start talking about the, the most acclaimed guys or the, the, the best winners or the biggest winners ever, Stetson Bennett's name is going to have to come up in that conversation, which is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, as a, a former walk-on there at Georgia. All right, what are the keys tonight? in your mind for, uh, it's, let's say, a TCU win. What does TCU got to do uh, to be able to win this game? I'd say keep that edge like they had against Michigan and, and to maybe come out, strike first, take some punches, but return some punches. It, and it might have – for them to win, I think they might have to win a shootout because I'm not sure TCU's defense can slow down Michigan's offense enough. Um, but, I, I, again, it's just match – did I say Michigan? Georgia. Match Georgia's intensity and have a similar outing like you did in the semifinal. And they're going to have to score somewhere in the 40s to win. How about you? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I'm trying to – I'm efforting, efforting this stat that I saw this weekend about Georgia's defense. They have slipped out of the top ten on uh, like yards per play. Let's see here. Ad gummit, where was that? I had it saved. Well, fill some time here as I look. I thought I had, I thought I had screenshot of this to save it, but if I to go noticed. ahead and talk about Georgia, what they got to do is is you talk about Stetson Bennett and and Kirby Smart alluded to this after their game against Ohio State. He's got to play better. He's and he pretty much calling out his quarterback. And I know what he's doing. His coach speak about you know trying to light a fire underneath his quarterback to play a little better in a national title game. But I agree with him. I think he. Because he, I think he was a little bit outplayed in that game by C.J. Stroud, maybe not even a little bit, but he's got to play better. Because uh, you know Max Duggan's going to come in and he's 
I think it, it's what's crazy. You know, we always talk about underdogs is they don't have a lot to lose because they can come into this game and lose and go, well, it was a nice run, but you ran into a, the defending champs in Georgia. Or they could lose close and go, that was awesome. They deserve to be there. Or they can go and win the whole dang thing and shock the world. So the, there's that. And um, but uh, So Max Duggan, I think, can play – because thinking like that, like I can make these risky throws because we're not supposed to be here or whatever, and you might get lucky on a few of them. So, but I think uh, Stetson Bennett has to play a little better. Um, I mean, the dude tonight. had 400 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick in the semifinals. Yeah, but, but that just goes back to the disrespect that people, even his own coach, did it. His own coach did it. Uh, yeah. Now listen, I know he he struggled. He wasn't the greatest for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter he put up like 192, a record in the playoff. Uh, for a quarter, but I, I don't know, man. I TCU's offense does appear to have the, the I can't find that stat, but it was uh, it was comparing Georgia's points per play versus TCU's explosive ability. I think they've got 21 plays of 50 yards or more, which is the most since 2018. Georgia's defensive stats are kind of down for the first time since 2018, uh, back to like a, a normal defense instead of this incredible juggernaut. I think I don't see any way TCU can win like a twenty-four to twenty-one type game. I just don't see it. I, their, their defense was opportunistic against uh, against Michigan. They did a great job of creating the turnovers. The two pick sixes are obviously a huge part of why they won that won that game against the Wolverines in the semifinals. I don't think there's any way in the world TCU can get away with three turnovers like they did against Michigan against Georgia. No. If they if they turn the ball over three times. They're going to be in a world of hurt, in my mind, uh, because Georgia just doesn't I – don't, I just don't see any way that they can turn it over three times and win like they did against Michigan. So, I mean, it's always, you know, you can't turn it over. I, I think the, the defensive shell, that 3-3-5, you've heard a lot of talk about that from the Georgia side, something they haven't really seen and, and certainly haven't seen the style or the scheme that they use within that context. So maybe – you know they can if they can get going early on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I it just feels to me like Georgia squeaked by it, it, almost like the NCAA tournament in basketball. They should not have won last Saturday, but they did. Mm-hmm. They found a way to win, and a lot of times you you get that one shot at knocking out the king, and if you don't take it and you don't finish the job, and TCU has nothing to do with that because they weren't on the, f- the field. It's Ohio State's fault. But when you don't get it done, things don't go well for you right. or, for, or for the next team mm-hmm. down the line. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it kind of feels to me with, with, with the way Georgia was able to squeak out of a not their greatest performance against a really good Ohio State team. Now they get TCU. I just – I. It's like a wake-up call. It, yeah, and, and it just feels like physically this is a mismatch. Yeah. But we it kind of felt like that for me with Michigan, too, against TCU. Yeah. And, and, the, and the Horn Frogs were able to get it done. So I think it's fascinating. Now, <clears throat> this game will decide the, the Western Oklahoma Realty Bowl mania <laughs> because there's three of us tied, possum me and ESPN fan something or other. So here's how the tiebreak goes. It'll, it'll work with the game tonight because it tells you to pick the total points of the game. So if, if all three of us pick the same team, 
it doesn't matter the result. It's going to come down to those points. Right. If there's you know one on one side, two on the other side, and the, and the two wins, it's the closest you you can go over, and get closest to the to whatever number you pick, whatever number you picked to the actual score. But if there's a tie, let's see if somebody let's see if the game scores sixty points. Somebody had sixty three. Somebody had fifty seven. Under wins. Fifty seven would win. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you, you can go over and still be closest and win. But if you're exactly the same amount away, whoever was under beats whoever was over. That's in case of a tie. Any score predictions? I haven't thought about it. I'll go Georgia 35, 38. Georgia 38, TCU 24. 38-24. Sam's got 38-35, Georgia. I'm closer to you. I can't decide. Close for about a half, and then... I can't decide which way I'm going to go in the game. I think Georgia wins. I do. But that back door, what, what, I think it's what? It's 12-and-a-half for real. Was it 13-and-a-half maybe on our line? I think that's uh, what for it the was. game? Yeah. That back door would scare me to death if I had Georgia. You know, you could see mm-hmm. it being like mm-hmm. a you know a thirty-eight to twenty game, and then all of a sudden a touchdown at the end is thirty-eight twenty-seven type thing. Right. Um, yeah. So it'd be fun. Six thirty tonight. SoFi Stadium, Georgia and TCU. We'll be back here to talk about it tomorrow. We're going to effort to get some of these high school basketball coaches on as well throughout the week uh, to get their thoughts on their team's performances in the first week of. There's a forty-two thirty-four score. I'm assuming Georgia wins. Uh, anyhow, we're, we're going to effort to get some of those coaches on, talk about their teams, what to look forward to as we get really close uh, to seeing what the brackets are in Class A and, B, and Class B just a couple of weeks away. You know, we failed to talk about, and we'll we'll have time tomorrow, um, hospitality rooms. I hit up Merritt's on oh, Friday. I'm jealous. And it was awesome. I'm jealous. We'll talk about that. <laughs> also, a couple of things that occurred in the NFL that were not good looks. Yes. Pushing the 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 – Athletic training staff uh, last night by Green Bay. And also, Jim, what are your Steelers doing? CPR as a sack dance? Ridiculous. For this week? Come on, man. That ain't a good look. No. This has been the Skinny on Sports. Hanging out at Sarah National. Come out, get you around to golf in. There's a watch party tonight here at the, at the club to watch the Georgia and TCU game. Also, don't forget, if you're looking for a new Callaway driver, Come in, tell them you heard it right here. You can get $100 off of a brand-new Callaway driver. Thanks to everybody here at Sayre. We'll be back uh, in studio tomorrow on Skinny on Sports on the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back. Goodbye. I know. You're chomping at the bit to try out your brand new golf equipment. I've got the perfect spot. Sayre National starting their Saturday scrambles in January. It's a great way to scratch that golfing itch through the winter months until springtime brings green grass and warmer temps. The Saturday scrambles are weather permitting, but trust me, from personal experience, they'll play most Saturdays in just about any weather. If your golf game needs a new secret weapon, the Pro Shop has tons of Callaway clubs, balls, and apparel. Come hang out at Sayre National, Western Oklahoma's most inclusive club.